Welcome to the Mining and Markets Podcast, hosted by Synergy Capital, your source for finding opportunity in the junior mining and resources space, one voice at a time. Welcome back to the Mining and Markets Podcast by Synergy Capital. Joining us today is the CEO of Brixton Metals Corp, which trades on the Venture Exchange under symbol BBB and on the OTC under BBXF, Mr. Gary Thompson. Gary, welcome to the show. I've been following the Brixton story for a bit now, probably since, you know, late 2002 when BHB became a strategic. And that's when I started to really pay close attention. So it's a great pleasure to speak with you today. Yeah, definitely happy to be here. Thank you. Why don't we start off by you giving a brief description of the company and what the main focus is? Sure. Brixton's a junior exploration company. I'm really focused on critical minerals, dominantly copper gold, focused on our flagship project called Thorn up in northwest British Columbia on the sort of golden triangle trend. And we're actively drilling uh, with our largest uh, drill campaign uh, ever uh, this season and um, looking forward to uh, some some big drill results. And yeah, we're excited to uh, see what the season uh, can bring us. So let's let's dive into that a little bit further. The company's flagship copper porphyry project is you know, probably one of the largest properties in the area and perhaps Canada. Can you give a bit of detail around the project, um, its location, and why you believe it's a unique play in the Golden Triangle, specifically how it differs from other juniors in the area? Because, you know, there's there's quite a few operating there, but this project has obviously got the attention of, of big players such as BHB. So I just wanted to get a sense of the uniqueness and why you think it caught the eyes of a major player like that. Well, yeah, I think a couple things. It's, it is definitely unique in that it is actually technically the largest contiguous mineral claim uh, holdings in British Columbia and certainly one of the largest in Canada. And I think in part that's what attracted the world's largest miner, uh, BHP, to the story. But if you look at the, we like to show the geochem map on our website because while it's still relatively early, there's so much discovery potential here. And, you know, I'd say what's unique about it is we'll say further up the trend and we've been quietly assembling these claims. So we have quite a large block with, I think, 14 target areas that have been identified. And when I say target areas, I mean multi-kilometer target areas. Most of the work that we've been doing is is really focused on, we'll say two, three, there's always sort of up and coming targets that we're moving up the curve. But I would classify it as, you know, discovery rich copper gold porphyry district. And I guess the way to describe some of these target areas, and some may be related to each other, it's such a big area, is that consider it a complete mineral system. In fact, I'd argue that we may have two complete mineral systems. And when I say that, I mean, we have the northern portion of the property where we've done most of the work on is related to Cretaceous age porphyry intrusions that are 95 million year old uh, mineralized intrusions. So that's one area. And that's probably if you look at that whole Cretaceous age zone, you know, you're probably talking 40 kilometer terrain there. And then if you shift down to the central part of the property, well, we've also got some very encouraging uh, copper gold numbers over another 30, 40 kilometer area. But those are different rocks. Those are like 220 million year uh, Triassic age um, porphyry intrusions. So different mineralizing event timeline for sure, but also another large scale mineralizing system. So I would argue we have two complete mineral systems. And within those mineral systems, we've got multiple deposits. Um, that we're, you know, advancing, uh, exploring. But taking a step back this year, the the bulk of the budget is going to be focused on our Camp Creek porphyry, which is a a new blind porphyry discovery that that we made a few years ago. And then the other significant portion of the budget is going to what's called the Trapper target. It's more of a gold, epithermal gold target that we believe 
uh, maybe related to a copper porphyry at depth. And you know, one of the things I like to remind people is some, you know, some of the largest gold deposits in the world are copper porphyry systems. So they tend to be, you don't always get gold with, with porphyry systems, but a lot of times you you know you look at these things as copper gold. Some may be more gold rich, some may be more copper rich, but tend to get other metals. And we do have like silver and molybdenum as well as as byproducts in, in some of these uh, systems. Right. right. So, so you know com- you, you did you announce did. that commencement of drilling has begun. Given the size of this project and you know the extensive program that you guys did last year, which maybe you can talk a little bit about, what's the strategy on targets this year? And is the objective to simply expand mineralization and eventually seek out that high grade porphyry system, or is there anything else that you can share for this particular drill program? Yeah, I mean it's kind of a similar strategy that we've been using last year. I mean the bulk of the focus was really on Camp Creek and, and Trapper. You know, we've yet to test the, or I guess, close off the limits to the mineralized zones that we've been drilling there. So the goal is really to, you know, try and find the limits of, of the system. But also, we don't believe we perhaps drilled the best intercepts, let's say the way to put it. And so we're always looking for that momentum hole um, that can really help drive the story forward. So it's advancing these things, expanding them uh, on strike at depth. But concurrent with that, we continue to advance some of the earlier stage targets that have not seen any drilling. So we've got a number of other large-scale targets like Metla, uh, the North Target, uh, the East Target, the West Target, for, for the lack of better names, but just generally where they are. You know, there's always up-and-coming targets. And, you know, a good example is we've had a zone that we were drilling early on in, in the company's history from about, I don't know, I guess 2012 to 2014, a zone called Outlaw, which is actually a sediment-hosted gold zone which has a five kilometer surface uh soil and rock geochemistry footprint so quite a large mineralizing system there and you know we drilled like 60 meters of a gram and we have it sort of mapped out you know as about a 600 meter zone within that from drilling within that sort of five kilometer anomaly but then when we started to get onto trapper um some of the grades that we're pulling on trapper have been phenomenal um, you know, 64 meters of 5.7 grams gold and some very high grade surface uh, gold samples. So as much as we like the outlaw gold target, Trapper just, it kind of moved up the rank. So we're always doing these rankings. So even though we have many targets and, you know, we can't really work them all, what we try and do is rank these things each season to say, okay, where does this target fit into the rest of the targets? Because we're doing exploration and we're finding new stuff all the time. And you don't want to get too tunnel focused on on maybe one target when you could have something better over over there and that example I just gave you on on the outlaw target that kind of got downgraded because Trapper got upgraded um, because it looks like a much much higher grade system uh, at surface there. So you just got to keep optimizing the the targets and and where you know where we spend the budget. So this year we had about a fourteen million dollar budget and we hope to get about twenty thousand meters out of the season and that will include a lot of like I say geocam and prospecting and mapping on some of these earlier stage targets that maybe maybe by the end of the year we can get a few holes in into some of these other targets that haven't seen any drilling yet. We're still, I would say classified Brixton is we're still in the discovery phase, really, even though we've been at this thing for a long time. Um, the last few years, I'd say, and if you go back, you know, even three years, you know, had about a five, $6 million budget. Last year was uh, 11 million. This year is 14, maybe a bit more. Next year, I'm hoping it's 20. So we can see that it's really been the last, you know, really three, three four years where budgets have been significant enough to generate the kind of results we need to move this thing forward right let's talk a little bit about the you know the location correct me if i'm wrong but you guys are just north kind of of the golden triangle area which is you know a 
pretty underexplored area. Has there been any historical drilling? I and mean, are you guys using any of that for data? What's your opinion on that? Yeah, I mean, there was. In fact, if you look at some of our old assessment reports that we file on an annual basis, there's a pretty extensive um, historical database. And I think, you know, we we data mine about 150 old assessment reports from other operators in the area. So we were able to utilize a lot of that data, um, some drilling, a lot of geochem data, definitely, you know, a lot of value in that in that data. And, and we're certainly incorporating those early results into our program. And, you know, it's kind of an iterative process. You, you know, you have some data, historical or not, or stuff that you're collecting, and then you just add on to it. And you're just kind of building the database as you go. And again, like I said, you kind of optimize it based on the results that other operators have had or results that we're getting. And, you know, some of the success that we're having is based on other operators success and we just kind of extend you know extend on that um like trapper is a good example ocean park drilled some holes about 100 meters from we didn't actually own the trapper main claims until 2020 um, but there was a company called ocean park that was in there um, that drilled some holes like i say 100 meters from our our claim boundary and then so we stepped to the west which was basically where our claims were um, before. So so that was successful for us. And that kind of led us into now trapper target that we're drilling. It's a bit of a combination of, of those things, I would say. But, you know, the earliest work goes back to, I think, 1952, Cominco and Kenco. Uh, Chevron was in, in, in this area in the 80s. It did a pretty broad scale regional and did a lot of good work in there in the 80s. So that was sort of, you know, some of the early foundation of, of some of the prospects that were identified and, and sampled. And now we're just, you know, continuing to advance on them. I'm excited to see how this drill campaign unfolds. I, I know it can be a little bit hard to speculate on timing, especially given big drill holes. You know, when can investors expect maybe the first set of assets to be released? <laughs> yeah, if I uh, if I knew that, uh, you know, I'd be uh, give you some dates, but I we really don't know. It's been you know the turnaround times have been I would say pretty varied. I mean, just look at last year, we had some results generated fairly quickly, but then as the season rolled on, the timelines you know became two to three months. So I hate to speculate on that. All we can do is is wait. You know, we did get a fairly early start to the season. And um, so I'm, you know, I'm hoping July, August will be the start of a bunch of news flow, but it's really hard to put a put a date on it. Yeah, just to switch focus a little bit and talk about some of your other projects. I know you guys have been optioning out some of them, you know, such as Hog Heaven to Ivanhoe, which by the way, is great to see interest from a company like that. With a strong balance sheet of, I think, $17 million in the till, can we assume the majority of the funds will be spent on Thorn, or are you guys planning on doing some other exploration work at the other projects? Yeah, we're absolutely focused on Thorn. That's that's our flagship. Uh, we do not have any budget for the other projects. Uh, we also farmed out our Atlan Goldfields project to a company called Pacific Bay, and we're looking to do the same to, to Langus so that we can really focus. If you look at our portfolio, we think we have a strong portfolio of projects, but, you know, we are still, you know, sub hundred million market cap company. And if you look at the, I guess, size of the prize, if you will, the Thorn project really ticks a lot of boxes from, you know, the scale. You really can't compare the scale potential to the other projects. I think, I think it serves our shareholders well to really focus the team and our resources on the Thorn project. Yeah, can you briefly discuss the share structure for some of the investors listening right now, as well as noteworthy shareholders in the, in the company, as I know there's some big names, which I alluded to in the beginning. Yeah, we... Right now, the company has about 380 million shares outstanding. The largest shareholder is BHP 19.9, the world's largest miner. 
Uh, Crestcat Capital is our second largest shareholder. They're in that sort of 15 to maybe 19%. And then Eric's brought in. And if you look at the size of the company, actually, we, <laughs> we're pretty proud to have uh, three billionaires as shareholders. Uh, Eric's brought Robert Friedland and Rob McEwen. Now, Robert Friedland's position has been converted into Ivanhoe Electric as part of that joint venture deal we have at Hog Heaven Project. But so it's, I'd say it's a good group of shareholders in the company. And of course, management, uh, myself, I own considerable amount of stock in the deal. So I think, like I say, we're still in that discovery um, phase. We feel we have not hit the hole that really will catapult Brixton into a different level. And that's what we're gunning for. You know, every drill hole, right? You're one potentially one hole away from the big hole that can make a big move on, on the stock. And that's for us, that's what we're trying to get to is that momentum hole that can help launch us. And I think that's the opportunity for shareholders. If you look at, you know, where BHP came in at the end of 2022 at 18 cents, you know, we're in and around that price point. So while we've had a run up to 30 cents and tagged 100 million market cap, we're, we're currently sitting at, you know, 65, 70 million market cap in around the BHP entry level. So I think it's a good, good time to be looking at a company like Brixton um, and certainly keep an eye on you know, on those drill results when, you know, when they start coming out. And, you know, just just as we wrap up, what can investors expect in terms of news flow and upcoming catalysts uh, throughout the summer going into the new year? Well, it's, yeah, it's going to be all about the drilling. I would say, uh, you know, look for some, I mean, I can't guarantee any any drill results, but I can, just looking at what we did last year, you know, some of the holes we had in some of the previous drilling at, say, Camp Creek, you know, 800 and 20 meters of almost a half a percent copper equivalent. I think one of the best holes in Camp Creek was 554 meters of 0.9 copper equivalent. So more copper dominant. Uh, so we have two main targets just to remind our listeners, Camp Creek is a copper porphyry. It's copper, gold, silver, moly, but it's copper dominant. You know, we're drilling deep holes there 1200 meter plus potentially so expect some some big copper holes coming out of that and then on the trapper target it's more gold dominant i think our longest hole there was about 400 meters of a gram and probably one of the better holes was uh hole 205 i believe that returned that i mentioned that earlier 64 meters of 5.7 so those are the kind of results we've generated in the past i would hope and i would expect that we would be getting similar or potentially better results than that. I mean, that's really the catalyst for us is, is going to be all about drilling, uh, I would say, for the next next few years to really demonstrate the caliber and, and the scale of the system. So I think there's a unique opportunity here. And lastly, to switch focus, you know, investors and even banks are predicting a potential copper rally in the next six to 12 months. However, as we both know, there's been a recent decline in prices, predominantly due to weakened demand in traditional sectors such as construction and even consumer goods. So my question for you is, you know, do you anticipate further decline in the price of copper in the short term or do you believe that it's reached its lowest point as of right now yeah it's a tough one to uh to gauge my read on the market is that we're pretty close to the bottom of of pricing for copper and either way you shape it with or without the energy transition which is going to be a huge driver going forward i think the demand for copper is, is projected to outstrip the uh supply you know, we're seeing major copper producers um, scrambling for uh, for assets here, seeing a lot of M&A happening in the space. I think a lot of miners are concerned about the lack of supply there, and there's going to be competitive tension to control the copper supply as much as the miners can, in a sense that we need new mines. The You know, if you look at the demand curve, the amount of mine development is projected as 
is phenomenal. And so that only means to me one one thing is is longer term price is going to go higher. What is the price? I mean, I'm surprised we're not sitting at five dollar copper today, but you know, I could see five, even ten dollar copper, and you know, not too distant future. We're already starting to see a lot of action in the in the space. Maybe not so much on on pricing, but um, I think that will come as the years come on. It's, there's just not enough um, supply coming on, and it takes a lot longer to build these mines than than people think. Um, so that's the other that's the other challenge I think as the sector goes. You can't just fire up a copper mine. They they take to find and and, and develop and, and build. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that that evolves. But yeah, my my projections uh, uh certainly higher. That's great insight. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for your time today, Gary. Um, for everyone still listening right now, if you enjoyed this episode and you want to follow some other companies, make sure to like and subscribe as we plan to be putting out frequent episodes every week or every two weeks. So once again, thank you, Gary. You're very welcome. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode and remember to follow us on social media, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. This episode should not be considered investment advice. Always do your own due diligence.